1: Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave Bold Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. So welcome to the Brave Bold Brilliant podcast. I'm here today with an incredible guest. Now, this is a man that has inspired me. I was fortunate enough to meet the wonderful Ed McIntyre four years ago um, on a dive boat in Thailand of all places. Now, Ed is a licensed marriage family therapist. He does a lot of divorce mediation. He's a real estate investor, a scuba diving enthusiast, all-round adventurer, and just so much more. So it is fabulous to have you on the podcast, Ed. Welcome.
0: Well, it's an honor to be here, Jeanette. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. And it's um, and it's it's interesting because you know the podcast is obviously I'm based in the UK, you're based over in the US, but you're also going to be having a very exciting lifestyle where you split your time between the US and the and the Caribbean, aren't you?
0: Yes, yeah, yes. We did really well with real estate. We did 30 years of investing, and then uh, my wife said she'd had enough of it. Uh, I tried to protect her from most of it, you know, and then. Once we bought the Loja Bed and Breakfast in, I really needed her help and support, and she said it was too much, and she insisted we sell everything, and so we did. You know, after 43 years of being ecstatically married, I don't want to, you know, argue with her, so I just kind of go with her lead. Women seem to be much more intuitive and more in touch with their feelings, so she's often my guide. If we disagree, I just go with her lead, and it turned out to be a blessing because we went to a diversified sales trust. lot of people don't know about that, but it's a wonderful vehicle for getting out of the real estate market, uh, so that then you have, you don't have to pay capital gains on your income, uh, and you can reinvest it in the stock market, which is what we've done. We've done amazing, um, enough for several lifetimes, uh, and, uh, now it's uh, all passive income, downhill. Uh, and my wife and I we're marriage and family therapists, and we love doing what we do. So we don't ever have plans of stopping doing that. Um, but I will be spending six months in one day outside of the United States as an expat, mostly in the Caribbean, um, because I love scuba diving there. And um, that way we'll pay 4% taxes instead of 39
1: well, you see, you've got it all covered. So you've given us a quick canter through the back end of your journey, Ed, shall we say, the more recent uh, times with the, with the real estate and the investing in the stock market and your passion uh, for diving. And we're going to talk about that in more detail. But can we cover the earlier years, Ed, if you don't mind, in terms of where life started for you, you know how you got into the, you know, the therapy side of things and the paralegal experience you have? That'll be great to hear about those early days.
0: Sure, sure. Um, Well, um, I grew up with domestic violence and my dad had constant affairs. He was a traveling salesman. And I saw my mom get some relief through therapy. Um, And uh, also, uh, I was in high school when the midst of the Vietnam War was going on and uh they said i was supposed to sign up for the draft i said is there a door that's open what draft he said no no it's conscription and i said oh no no i don't want to do that so uh i be- uh applied to become a conscience objector and i helped hundreds of uh students at the san jose and las gatas peace center uh get their conscious objector status including one of the best friends that i grew up with uh larry jenkins and um so uh, as a result of that, that's how I kind of initially got into counseling. Um, and, um, you know, I've loved it ever since. I, I I personally ran a domestic violence treatment program for seven years through the probation department, had 12 groups with 12 men, uh, had over 250 people coming through my door every week. I don't do that anymore, but but I did that for seven years. Um so, um, let's see what else, uh, do you want to hear about my real estate history? Yeah, um,
1: why not? Let's, let's cover the whole shebang.
0: Sure. Um, you know, I paid off my home, you know, therapist, uh, working hard. Um, and, um, my friend, Reverend John who owned from Grande Monastery, used to go up there for meditation retreats. He said, uh, I said, John, I paid off my home. Now I can just coast, you know, I finally made it. He goes, no, 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 we're just getting started. I said, what? Because you know, I'm a realtor. I go, yeah. He goes, well, now you're going to buy an apartment building. I go, oh, okay. So uh, it took me a while, but I got my first apartment complex. It was a sixplex in uh, El Cajon on Franklin. And um, I thought it was close to La Mesa, which is a nice place. So I thought, well, this will be a nice place. Well, it turned out to be the west, worst part of San, San Diego, El Cajon on Franklin, behind Dudley biker bar. And uh, the police were there every night and I evicted every tenant I had. And uh, we put a quarter million dollars into the property, just made it really beautiful. Put skylights, wainscoting, uh, you know, balconies, a laundry room, tore out the asphalt parking lot, put in a concrete parking lot. Got a nice sign, Ben Franklin apartments, a fountain, landscaping, just made the place beautiful, uh, incredibly beautiful. Got good tenants, professors at the college, things like that. And uh, then I opened up 100 credit card accounts and I bought my second and third apartment building, just took those dice, rolled them and threw them on the table. And um, then I sold my first apartment building for a million dollar profit. And then I was buying and selling and trading ever since. Uh, And then when 2008 came along, um, I could see it before most people that things were not going well. Um, And so... I put everything up for sale. I sold one of my biggest units, paid off all my seconds. And I thought, okay, well, I've got it, I've got it covered now. I thought if I had 100 apartments, I'd be bulletproof. Well, I was up to 99 apartments uh, when, the, when the market kind of fell out from under me. So um, I sold that apartment building and things continued to collapse. And then I had a financial advisor uh, who swindled me out of uh, one of my apartment buildings and convinced me to sell another one, said I didn't have a prepayment penalty and a $100,000 prepayment penalty. So I kind of took a bath, but uh, continued to work at it. And um, I finally decided uh, I bought a, uh, an apartment building in um, Old Town. I mean, in in Bankers Hill on Grape Street, uh, I found an ad in the newspaper uh, for an apartment building. And the newspaper, oh, people don't put apartment buildings in newspapers. (laughs) 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 Called, get me in front of this guy today. So I talked to him for like three and a half hours. He kept calling my secretary, cancel that appointment, cancel that appointment, cancel that appointment. Finally, after three and a half hours, I I said, wow, you're a great guy. You know, you built this uh you know you bought these two homes one for you and your wife and one for your daughters and your wife divorced you and disowned you and so did your daughters uh and you turned it into an apartment building and you've taken the high road you've been and you know, had integrity you've taken good care of your tenants no matter what nightmares the stories you told me you've always taken the high road you know if, if uh you know i appreciate getting to know you he says well you really get me mcintyre He said well thank you he says would you like to buy this unit I said, yes, I'd love to buy this unit. So we shake hands on it. I call my financial broker and he says, no, Ed, you didn't get that property. I said, what? He said, no, no, it'll go on MLS. Everybody's going to find out you stole the property. It's a million dollars less than what it should have gone for. Uh, Somebody will offer him a million dollars more and you won't get that property. So sure enough, it goes on the MLS. Somebody does offer him a half a million dollars more than what I offered him. He said, nope, I already shook hands with McIntyre. It's a done deal. So. Yeah, I had that building. It was beautiful. Um, and I uh, was doing some divorce mediation and Redondo Beach training. And I told my wife, I don't want to pay $350 a night for a hotel. Can you find me something else? So she found something called Airbnb. And I said, oh, this is great. I'm paying $150 instead of $350 a night. Blocked in the, from, the, from the building where it's at Radisson. And uh, this seems like a win-win. Uh, I said to the owner, I said, what if I decide in the middle of the night to spray paint the place and take a knife and do a little interior decorating just the way I want the place? He said, that'd be terrific. Airbnb has a million dollar policy. I'd be covered. Uh, I could get a couple of these Airbnbs if you do that. And I said, yeah, I'd probably end up in jail. I don't think I'll do that. Well, I go home and uh, I'm running a divorce mediation practice out of my uh, downtown building. And my wife says, you're losing money. I said, what? She goes, yeah, we can make more money renting. Oh, well, honey, you know it takes a while to get a business up and growing. You know you're in the black for several years. You can't just start off making a profit. She says, "No, no, close that divorce mediation. We can make more money renting it out as a, as a studio." I said, "Well, I'll tell you what. I only use the building two days a week. I'll turn it into an Airbnb. The other five days of the week, and so five out of seven days it was rented." So I said, oh, this is a pretty good thing. So then somebody moved out. I converted that one. Eventually, I converted the whole 16-plex into Airbnb. Really nice. Uh, I was clearing over 30 grand a month on the building for a while. And so I decided, well, I'm going to get rid of all my alcohol apartments. And uh, I took a real estate class and passed the real estate exam. Not that I'll ever be a realtor, but I wanted to know what they know. Basically, realtors are fishermen. They sit on the back of the boat. They drink beer all day long. They throw a fishing line out, and they wait for a bite it's called the MLS. That's all they do. So I said, no, nah, I'm not going to play that game. So I went to three of the biggest uh, people in town, including one of my dive buddies, Angela Manette, an incredible realtor. And I said to all three of them, whoever sells the property first gets the commission. Well, I had 44 units sold in six weeks. So I was very pleased. I took that money. I bought the Loya Bed and Breakfast Inn, which was designed by Irving Gill, a friend of Frank Lloyd Wright's. Irving Gill, Kate Sessions and Ellen Browning Scripps all, uh, were in that building at the same time, did amazing things there. I just loved it. Um, and then I bought an an eightplex in old town and I converted it into all Airbnb. So I had like 41 Airbnbs, uh, because one of the reasons was they San Diego had a moratorium on eviction. So I had to turn everything into Airbnb. I didn't want to be stuck. And so turn everything to Airbnb and everything was okay. And then the pandemic hit and, um, that wasn't going really well because people would pull the Three Stooges act, where somebody would stay there for five nights, take a pick, up, pick up a piece of petrified turd, throw it under the bed, take a picture of it, call Airbnb. Airbnb said you didn't have to pay. Why This happened dozens of times, uh, and so you know, the, between that and my wife saying forget it, you we know, we're going to get out of this, we, we did get out of it. Um, so that's that's a little bit about the history of a my real estate.
1: Wow fantastic well you know what I love about you Ed well there's lots of things I love about you I love your energy because you always feel when you're in your company you make people feel like they're the only person in the world that matters and that's a great skill Um, you're obviously in the right profession in terms of what you do with with the uh, you know the therapy and everything we're going to talk about that but I also love the fact that you know you started from very humble beginnings in fact some would say a very deprived difficult situation family situation with violence as you Said, and you've since gone on to be make a very, very successful financial position for yourself, for Laurel, the whole family. But no one gave you any of that. And you've had your highs, you've had your lows, you've had your made it all, lost it all. Um, and but through all of that, you know, here you are today, still strong, still full of energy, life, and excited for the future. And that is so inspiring. It it genuinely is. Um, Thank
0: you. Thank you. A little story about my college experience. So in high school, uh, you know, elementary and high school, I was kind of a clown. You know, I was detached, disassociated, you know, not really invested in education. And then one day, my mother was going through a series of boyfriends and she had a landscaper and the landscaper said, I'm going to hook you up. I didn't know what that meant, but he woke me up 5 a.m. Saturday morning, I worked for 12 hours operating a chainsaw, cutting this huge tree down and carrying these big logs up a hill. Uh, where I was getting cut up, scratched up, bruised, poison oak, poison ivy, sweating, just exhausted, uh, barking at orders out at me all day long. Uh, And he said, well, be back tomorrow morning. I said, no, you won't. And then I went uh, Monday morning. I apologized to every high school teacher I had, and I got real serious. And um, so I did start getting some A's, uh, and I applied to the University of California, Santa Cruz, the only college I wanted to go to. They said, you have to have a 5.0 to go here. So, um, I, uh, I didn't even know how you could have a 5.0. So I went to a junior college and the first quarter, uh, my mom went into the financial office and cried, which is perfect for me. They hooked me up with a student loan, a grant work study. I bought a VW van. I was living out of the van, going to college for two years. And, um, the first quarter Dean calls me and he goes, what are you doing here? Well, I got a student loan. I got a VW van. I run a comb through my hair. I show up for class in the morning. I'm a college kid. He goes, no, you're not. Hands me my report card. He goes, look at these grades, D's and F's. We have serious students here, McIntyre. We don't want your time here. I said, but, but I got no place to go. Like an officer and a gentleman, goes. I don't care. I said, well, please give me a second chance. Uh, he said, all right, I'll give you a second chance, but if you come in your next quarter with these grades, I'll get a restraining order. It's like a banking. <laughs> so wow. I, I interviewed 300 students. I found the best teachers, in the best classes. I tried to enroll in these classes. They were always full. I had to crash every class I took. So um, I would sit in front of the room. I would raise my hand. I'd get the books. I'd talk to the teacher before, during, after class. Every teacher kept saying, I don't care what you do. I'm not taking anyone in. The last possible moment, every one of these teachers would sign my admittance slip. I would go run down the admittance office come back. So I applied my junior year to go University, of California, at Santa Cruz. They wrote me again, said, you have to have a flight plan order to go here. You know, um, so I wrote back a six page, single space typed letter, telling them how they had made a terrible mistake. I had already moved to the area, already secured housing, already secured employment. Uh, I already talked to two of the psychologists on the staff who agreed to open up a counseling center, run for the students by the students called, we called it connections. I talked to the health department who decided to give us a whole wing for this operation. The various colleges on campus to get money for lights, electricity, guest speakers. And, um, but I, uh, love Santa Cruz. The only college I've ever applied to, uh, I love the surfing, the scuba diving, the ocean. This is the only place I wanted to go. And they wrote me back. They said in a hundred years, nobody had ever written a letter of response to a letter of rejection. Obviously they had made a mistake. Would I please consider going to the university of California at Santa Cruz?
1: fantastic where did that drive come from i mean there's two things here ed there's there's a tenacity to push back and say no i'm not accepting a rejection i'm just gonna continue going and then there's the belief isn't there the self-belief that you actually what you really wanted to do so so where where do those aspects come from do you think the tenacity and the drive but also the self-belief that you have
0: well you know my parents might not have been real loving with each other, but they were real loving with me. And they both told me I could do anything and everything I wanted to. Uh, and, and I just kind of believed it. And um, I had a great grandmother as well who lived through the Depression. And it was just uh, great support. And so I had a lot of support, even though there was domestic violence and constant affairs going on throughout my childhood. It's still, in many ways, my uh, great childhood, despite wow. all that
1: yeah interesting. and And obviously, you said that your you know your 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 family had had sort of been or your mum had been on the receiving end of some therapy. and do you think that was why you ultimately decided to follow that path as a profession? Definitely. Mm.
0: Yeah. And I've loved it. i always I always say you know it's the second best choice in my life. Of course, the first best choice of my life was marrying my wife, been ecstatically married for forty two years with her for forty three. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they say that people that are happily married live twice as long. Um, and people are asking me all the time, how do you become a millionaire? And I say, well, the first step is you don't get a divorce. <laughs> people say, what well, is your wife? Perfect. Does she walk on water? Does she have no flaws? Is, is she a saint? No, 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 no. Um, my whole theme song is what you think about and think about, you bring about. Repeat it after me, Jeanette. What you think about. What you think about. And
1: think about. And think about. You bring about. You bring about. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah.
0: So I've been focused on how awesome my wife is for 43 years. She speaks my love language, carries me through the day, takes better care of me than I take care of myself. I tell her and everyone around her how awesome she is. After 43 years, she's incredibly awesome.
1: And I agree having had the privilege of meeting the lovely Laurel you are a, she's incredible you're incredible and what a great team you are absolutely yeah 100%. So so you know with with some of the cases that you deal with and obviously you know there's huge confidentiality around all of this Ed so I wouldn't expect you to to talk about any details specifically but you must you must find it quite challenging when you have a very loving fabulous you know marriage and relationship that you that you have yourself but you're having to support, you know, couples that are going through really distressing divorce situations. How, how do you bring, I guess, the positivity that you have in your own marriage to a a divorce situation like that? How
0: does that play out? Well, yeah, I I work with all the courts, juvenile court, family court, criminal court, immigration court. I work with survivors of torture, international uh, domestic violence, uh, child abuse, um, you know, a friend of mine is a psychologist in Napa said, we ought to retire and become hitmen. We've seen the worst of the worst. <laughs> that was pretty funny. But uh, for me, there's no greater joy than helping alleviate human pain and suffering. You know, by being a service to others, we find our own good. Uh, and, you know, I learn a lot from my clients. And, um, you know, uh, I've just learned that, you know, by focusing on the, on the, the right things and taking things in priority, that, that life can be a joy to live. I'm in a state of joyful bliss 85% of the time because because I tell myself joyful bliss. You know, it's our thoughts that create our feelings, our behavior, and our life. So if we give ourselves good thoughts, we're going to feel good, have good behavior, and a great life. But most of us have some kind of trauma, and most people internalize that trauma and carry the shame from the parent's shameless behavior, and then carry core beliefs. I'm not good. I'm not good enough. I don't belong. I shouldn't exist. I'm not lovable. Which creates a tragic lifestyle. So working through that shame base and you know reaffirming yourself, I do a lot of energy therapies uh, that helps get to the core of that. Uh, whether it's thought field therapy, the tapping we did in Thailand or the uh, emotional freedom technique or hypnosis or neurooptimal uh, neurofeedback, uh, all these things are, are energy therapies that help move the energy around. Uh, so we can have a proactive instead of reactive life.
1: Yeah, no, I mean it's incredible the the impact you you make and and like you say, improving people's lives and getting them out of very difficult situations, feeling good about themselves, and and I guess learning to love themselves. Right, is at the core of Absolutely. core of everything. So 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 Ed, obviously you know you you're a professional in this field. You deal with some really difficult situations, some people that have had terrible trauma in and the extreme extreme levels. Um, But I guess there's lots of people that maybe just have a bad time. They don't necessarily go to see a therapist or to have formal treatment as such, but maybe could just do with some tips and things that they can do to make themselves feel better or in a better place. You know, could you maybe touch on some of those aspects, Ed, the the, the sort of simple things, practical things that people can do if they are struggling with some of these areas?
0: Sure, let's do a little experiential right now, Jeanette. Let's repeat it. I feel good. I feel good.
1: I feel good about the people around me. I feel good about the people around me. I feel goodness all around me. I feel goodness all around me. And so it shall be. And so it shall be.
0: For the rest of my days.
1: For the rest of my days.
0: Because I talk with good.
1: Because I talk with good. I exercise with good. I exercise with good. And I am good. And I am good. And that feels really good. And that feels really good. Good, better, best. Good, better, best. Never let it rest. Never let it rest.
0: So my good is better.
1: So my good is better.
0: And my better is my best.
1: And my better is my best.
0: I'm good enough.
1: I'm good enough. I do belong. I do belong.
0: It's good that I exist. What's that <laughs> I want good that I exist it's good that I exist I'm lovable I'm lovable I deserve love
1: I deserve love
0: I don't have to be perfect to be loved I don't have to be
1: perfect to be
0: loved I'm perfectly imperfect
1: I'm perfectly imperfect
0: I deserve great things
1: I deserve great things
0: my wants and needs are important
1: my wants and needs are important I need exercise.: I need exercise: Exercise needs me.: Exercise needs me.: The more I exercise The more I exercise the better I feel. The better I feel. The Better I feel. The better I feel, the more I exercise.: The more I exercise Positive self-talk.: Positive self-talk creates great feelings creates great feelings, and great experiences, and great experiences. The better I feel, the better I feel, the more I use, the more I use, positive
0: self-talk,
1: positive self-talk. I am committed, I am committed, my daily use, my daily use, exercise, exercise, and positive self-talk, and positive
0: self-talk. Do this with me. Put your hand beside your mouth. Arr, arr. Crowds of thousands. Arr, arr, arr. Give yourself a pat on the back. A loving hug. And release it to the world. Yeah. I feel great. <laughs> there you go. You know, I think the greatest insight we've had in the 21st century is you can't have life without mind entering into it. In other words, if I'm going around being angry, frustrated, upset, worried, the the world's going to give me plenty of things to be frustrated, worried, angry, upset about. I guarantee it. But if I'm going around in a state of joyful bliss, being happy and thankful, the world gives me an abundance of that. So it really comes down to my focus, which is why I do my best when I first wake up in the morning to do two to three minutes of meditation. Hardly anything, you know, just following your breathing in and out, watch the cool air and come in the cold hot air, go out chest and abdomen rise. They have what's called the monkey mind. We have these racing thoughts. You let the thought go like a fish downstream. You want to scratch yourself like a monkey scratch yourself if you need to, but just give yourself two to three minutes of downtime. What that does for me is helps me realize everything I need is within. And even from if somebody's raging at me, I can still just beam them loving kindness, watch them apologize, melt and take a step back. So, um, you know, I taught hiking classes for 10 years to Foothills Adult School, and I'd often holler out, joyful bliss. And my hikers would holler back, joyful bliss. <laughs> so we think about and think about, we bring about. And most of us have been programmed through trauma and, and negative life experiences. Mention the fact that we've got Americans with 17, 18 deployments. Never had that in our American history. Uh, And then the world is so divided. I think the internet has a lot to do with that. Everybody's pretty oppositional. So again, we create peace by creating peace within ourselves first and then spreading it out
1: yeah no absolutely i totally agree and 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 ed we um we were lucky enough to meet on a diving trip let's just talk about that because i want us to touch on the on the tapping um so so just by way of background very very briefly because the the, the uh, focus is on you ed not me but um chris and i had spent a month in thailand this is back in i think it was 2018 so around about this time actually of year it was a january and i'd left my corporate life and we'd gone off traveling for a while just to sort of i suppose have some downtime but i would had a bad experience scuba diving um quite a few years earlier in mexico which had put me off scuba diving even though i really loved it but i had this fear and i had this nervousness and then chris and i ended up on a liverboard in the Similan islands which is where we met yourself and Laurel so it's amazing that four years later we're here having a a conversation on a on my podcast who would have thought (laughs) it but I remember being absolutely petrified about going back into the water scuba diving and you took me to one side you must have noticed the look on my face you took me to one side and you said Jeanette come with me to the front of the of the boat um and so I went with you and then you did the tap-in therapy, which basically got me back diving, um, but really sort of, I suppose, took away the fear. Um, And if it hadn't been for you, Captain Ed, as we call you, um, I don't know that I would ever have dived again properly. Um, So I'm massively thankful, but that's just a very small example of of how what you do is incredibly powerful. So can we just talk about that a little bit? Because again, it might be something that people can do quite, quite easily.
0: Absolutely. You know, what I asked you to do was give me your SUDS level, your subjective unit of distress. And I was recalling on a 10 point scale, one's being a slight irritation, 10 where it's affecting your thoughts, your feelings, your behavior. You were like at a, at, a, at a nine or a 10. Yeah. Uh, so we did some tapping for a couple minutes and we brought it down to like a two or three. And then we did an eye roll and it was gone. And then you enjoyed your dive. We all had a great time diving throughout the whole trip. Together and a lot of camaraderie and a lot of fun. Uh, And uh, so, yeah, it's a powerful tool. Um, You know, when I was first introduced to it some years ago because of my work with Survivors of Torture International. I was very impressed. And uh, I'm actually mentioned in a book called Tapping the Healer Within. They don't mention me by name, but they mentioned they trained a group of us therapists in San Diego to work with survivors of torture and the phenomenal success rate we've had with them. Um, and um, anybody can buy this book. Uh, I highly recommend Stop the Nightmares of Trauma. Okay. Stop the Nightmares of Trauma. By Roger Callahan, C. A. L. L. A. H. A. N, Ph.D. You can get it on Amazon used for a couple of dollars, uh, and um, on there is an algorithm for just about everything. Uh, when I have when I go on a jet trip, I always do it for jet lag. Um, I, I had uh, had a terrible motorcycle accident in Roatan, and um, uh, I had five and a half hours of dental implant surgery. And the dentist said, uh, how is it possible that you didn't get a shot of Novocaine every 10 or 15 minutes? Like I was asking you if you wanted one, how did you go through that whole process without any Novocaine? Well, I knew it was going to hurt. So I tapped in advance for physical pain. So it wouldn't hurt. Um, I did 12 psychological evaluations for survivors of torture international and uh, I said to Dr. David Gangs, "I, I don't do psychic Well, I'll train you. I'll teach you. Oh, okay, as long as I stay in my lane, you teach me. I'll I'll be glad to do them." So I did twelve. One of them got challenged, which meant I had to go to immigration court and and defend it. Uh, I pull up to the immigration court with my car. So nervous, I regurgitated. Fortunately, there was, there was a I got it right there. Oh, I need to tap myself. You know, so I do some tapping. I go running up the stairs. I, I see my client. I go to sit by, and the judge says, "Come up here." He swears me in, and for two and a half hours, he grilled me. But I was eloquent. I was really pleased with my testimony. I did really well. And I go back to sit down next to my survivor of torture. And he says, All right, Mr. So and so, come up here and tell me about your torture victimization at the hands of Saddam Hussein. And he does, and surrounds sound, technicolor, Panavision articulate detail. And the judge says, Wait a second. I've been doing this for 32 years. Uh, I'm supposed to determine if you're malingering which means lying to get political asylum here, which point I'm supposed to send you back to your country, where I understand you're going to be tortured and killed. Oh, yes, your honor and my family too. Well, I'm having a real hard time reconciling this. Anytime I've ever asked a survivor of torture to talk about it, not only could they not talk about it, but they might go into seizures. They might go running hysterically out of the courtroom. It might take them Xanax and a month to get back into the courtroom. How could you tell me all this detail without any emotional connection to it? well your honor mr mcintyre in the courtroom taught me thought-filled therapy and it no longer disturbs me Wow! so yeah it's a powerful tool and it works for mammals too i took my daughters and their dogs to catalina and my little bay liner like a 26 foot boat we lived in there for a week and at any rate we, we go to launch the boat and their dogs are like vicious with each other so i got them just like humans tap right next to the eye right next to the nose that's it And then underneath the armpit, about four inches, about the middle of the bra line for women. And then underneath the collarbone.
1: Ah, yes. Yeah.
0: And most people uh, will drop their stress or their anxiety uh, immediately just from that. Um, Now there's other things we can do where we get like 70, 80%, you know, uh, for it to go away. Dr. Callahan says he cures people. Well, the Board of Behavioral Science Examiners, they don't like that. They say, we can't cure people. At best we can do is help people. So what I understand, uh, an investigator from the board came out to investigate him. She had a phobia, and he quote-unquote cured her phobia, sent her back to the board, so they don't know what to do with them right now. But uh, um, the only thing that can interfere with this is like uh, toxins, allergens, like something you eat, drink, smoke, perfume, cologne, hairspray, synthetic clothing, drugs, chemicals, alcohol, caffeine, sugar, Nicotine, food that you crave. So if you've tapped it and it goes down to zero, and it comes back up, that means you've been exposed to an allergen. You tap again and collapse it, and then stay away from that allergen. I had eczema for eight years. It was a scabby, scaly skin condition covered my back. I went to five different doctors. Did whatever they told me to do. Nothing helped. I learned thought field therapy and it cleared it up instantly. And as long as I don't eat yellow cheese, it stays at bay. Okay. So yeah, it's a power cool. Um, and, uh, emotional freedom, freedom technique is an offshoot from that. Um, but it's pretty easy to use that. They've got, got it on the internet, emotional freedom technique where you can tap along with Nick Ortner. Uh, at first Dr. Callan was pretty upset about it, but now Nick says every time he talks, of course, this originated from Dr. Callahan. So I think he feels better about it now. Um, but, uh, it's a powerful tool and yeah, it's very simple. And, uh, very grassroots. You know, um, a lot of my clients share it with their friends and their family, um, and, uh, it's a powerful tool.
1: Amazing. Oh, thank you Ed. Honestly, I think that's going to be so helpful for so many people listening. Um, you know, and and this this podcast Brave Bold Brilliant, it's it's all about how we overcome challenges, adversity, grabbing opportunities, bouncing back from failure or struggles in life, you know, whether that's in business, personal life, careers. And and I guess the what I love about this is Obviously, you've dealt with some of the most extreme, um, terrible situations that people are in, but also what you apply can can work for everyday folk just wanting to be better versions of themselves, can't it? So it, it really does cover the whole the whole spectrum. Absolutely. Mm, fantastic. So, so Ed, can we talk a little bit about um, how you have? bounce back from the business challenges that you've had because obviously you've got a, a very successful hugely um, amazing career that you've had in you know with the therapy side of things that you've done and and the mediation and dealing with all of that side but on the more sort of like financial property investing stock market you've had your, your ups and downs as well um, so when when you were in those difficult situations you described earlier, Ed, about you know the property market crashing and you know having to deal with the the stress and the worry of having a big property portfolio, real estate portfolio, and and the potential of. You know that crashing could could actually really bring you completely down financially as a, as a whole family. How did you deal with that situation, those situations of of when the business is not going well and how you bounce back from that?
0: Uh, well, again, it's just being bold, you know, consisting consistently being persistent uh, and never giving no and always looking for alternatives. You know, uh, not one hammer fits every, every, you know, nail, you know, different size hammer, different tool altogether, you know, different direction altogether, which is why I'm thrilled and highly encourage people that want to get out of real estate to check into diversified sales trust. Um, uh, a marvelous tool, so that again, you can then have a passive income and, you know, enjoy the rest of your life. Mm. Um, I love drill estate, but it was definitely at times very challenging. I have a wonderful construction crew that's been with me for 25 years, but uh, um, still, you know, it's it's can be challenging at times. I'm sure you're aware. Uh, so just keeping a positive attitude, a positive outlook, just knowing that uh, you know, trusting in myself, trusting in God that it will all work, and uh, I've got an amazing wife that's very supportive, um, and. Um, a great dog. Uh, Mr. Blue, he's got a blue eye and a brown eye every morning else. I love you. And walks. <laughs> And he sings on key to Christmas music and reggae music. And I take him with me when I do my divorce mediation. Somebody cries, he nuzzles them. Somebody gets angry, cocks his head, and he looks at them real strange. I tell people he does most of the work when I do my divorce mediation. So, you know, and then I've got a great family. I've got awesome daughters. My youngest daughter graduated with a master's in clinical psych and has an internship. Soon will be following mom and dad's lead. And then my oldest daughter is halfway through her PhD program. Uh, and is taking a break until they go back to in-person. And um, I told both my daughters, you know, I'm getting old, I want grandkids, but so I'll give $300 to the first one who gives me a grandkid. All of a sudden it was a race and they were born three weeks apart. So I have two six-year-old grandsons and a four-year-old granddaughter, more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Um, um, and you know, my, my own daughters didn't get along real well. My, my wife and I are therapists, so It was a little embarrassing. We go someplace, you know, and the older one kind of touted over the younger one uh when she became 12 i got her certified diver and then when my youngest daughter 2 years later uh was 12 i got her certified so when they were 14 and 12 i took them to cozumel 100 feet under the water uh they did what's called traumatic bonding they had to rely on each other for their lives and they became best of friends And now they hang out together. We go on vacation. We call and they're often together. We're we're just thrilled at how wonderful they get along and enjoy each other. Uh, I was afraid they wouldn't talk to each other as adults. Of course, they say it had nothing to do with scuba diving, but another true story written by an eyewitness is what I say.
1: Wow, so, well, I, ne- I never knew that. So, I mean, so scuba diving is obviously a passion of yours, Ed, and that's how we how we first met. Um, but I'd never even thought about using scuba diving in in an example like that. That's incredible.
0: It's very bonding, you know. When you're diving with somebody, you're just totally in the moment, and it's it's a peak experience, and it really brings people together
1: it really is another world down there, isn't it? It's um, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I can't wait to get diving again, to be honest. I've, I've really missed it the last couple of years. Um, so, 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 Ed, talk about the diving oh, briefly. It, yeah. Oh, sorry. I lost you for a second. Talk about the diving, Ed. How many dives have you done or have you lost count because there's so many thousands?
0: Over a couple thousand. Yeah. Every oh. year, I take Laurel on a dive boat for you know, a couple of weeks at least, and uh, we'll just dive and play and have fun.
1: Absolutely. And for anyone that um, has the opportunity to bump into Captain Ed and Laurel whilst they're on a dive boat, be warned that he's a demon, <laughs> an absolute demon at a game called Uno Roboto, which he introduced to Chris and I, um, and and the odd partial to the odd glass of wine as well, which I'm not sure is, is what you would recommend to people diving of an evening. But, you know, <laughs> we had a good time.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs>
1: fantastic well ed you know i could talk to you for absolute hours we might end up having to do a follow-up podcast um i'd I'd love it (laughs) but before we before we finish ed can i can i just ask you a couple of final questions if i may love to Brilliant. So when you look back over your incredible life and career and business life and personal life, can you think of the best piece of advice that you've ever been given or a really good piece of advice that sort of stayed with you for many years?
0: I have two examples, if that's, if that's okay. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I learned a lot from my clients, Jeanette, and I had a 10-year-old kid in therapy once and uh, he says to me, Ed, I'm thinking about taking on a paper route. So I say in my most clinical fashion. Well, how do you decide, young man, whether or not to take on a paper route? So, well, Ed, it doesn't always work this way. But I'm feeling really good about myself. Ask myself three questions. Well, yeah, what's that? So first of all, I have enough time to get all the sleep I need to get. Automatically tell myself, well, yeah, kids till they're 25 need nine hours of sleep every night, or they're going to get depressed. But I can get by in less. Uh, and second of all, I had enough time to work, get all the work in I need to get done. Oh, yeah. Well, that's real important. I certainly agree with that. And then third of all, have enough time to get all the play in. I need to get in. I said, oh, wait a second. I got to write this down. A balance of work, play and sleep. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to examine my life. I'm going to have to make some changes. And I went from a six day work week to a four day work week and at least a month of vacation every year and haven't gone back since.
1: Wow. So the words of words of wisdom from a 10 year old child. That's that's great. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And what's the second one, Ed? Well, uh, you know, my mother, bless her heart, uh, she had some medical problems and she got addicted to Percocet. And so she was on Percocet for 36 years of her life, which is similar to heroin Uh, and extreme highs and lows, ups and downs you know, wide mood swings. Uh, and I told my therapist, uh, Bob Bray at the time, uh, who taught me thought field therapy. I said, Bob, you know, I think I just want to go over to my mom's and uh, peel up rubber out of the parking lot, flip her off, tell her where to go and maybe not talk to her for a couple months. What do you think? He goes, oh, no, no, had calm down, relax. He said, this is your mother. He said, your only job is to be the best son you can be. Keep your side of the street clean and let the rest go. That was the best advice I ever got, because now that my mom is deceased, I'm not going around, oh, why did I do that? Why did I say that? I'm going, no, I was the best son I could be under the situation. I think it was pretty commendable. I took the high road. So, you know, I use that a lot, you know, whether it's a relationship or, you know, I want to be the best husband I can be, the best father I can be, the best friend I can be, the best colleague I can be, you know, the best therapist I can be, the best friend I can be. So I focus on my side of the street and what I'm doing and let the rest go. You know, love's a a verb. It's an action word. Everybody wants more love, but he is being more loving. When we're more loving, how can love but help come when so warmly invited?
1: Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. No, I, I love that's amazing. It's really amazing. I guess it's there's a there's a saying, isn't there? You know, keep your own house in order. And and it's it's a similar, a similar kind of kind of concept. But yeah, it's obviously served you very well, Ed, as well, all these years.
0: Thank you. Yes indeed.
1: Yeah. And can you think of any poor advice that maybe you took that you wish you hadn't, or that it was so bad that you ignored and you were very glad that you had ignored that that advice.
0: Well, my wife and uh, I—I had a career. I was a teacher in the high desert at a third, fourth grade combination class. Uh, I I know I I wanted to get her pregnant, but I wanted to have a house and a career first. And so, at any rate, we were we were up in the high desert, and uh, we lost our firstborn at sixteen months. Uh, She had a heart defect, and people said, "Well, um, you know, don't have more children for six months or a year, and don't make any major changes." Well. We immediately moved to San Diego, where my wife had friends and family for to get some support for her, uh, and uh, we immediately began attempting to have another child. In two months, she was pregnant, and we we doubled our rate of failure, which wasn't a bad thing. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, I think when it comes to life choices you know, nobody can make my life choice. And uh, I I do my best not to give advice or tell people what life choices to make because I respect them too much. I'll help them air it out and figure out their different options. I might even say, I might be tempted to do this if I were in your situation, but I don't give advice. I don't tell people what to do. Uh, I respect people too much to do that. Our life is our life and nobody has the right to make my or anybody else's life choice, but themselves. You know, if my wife wants to work, Great. She doesn't want to work. Great. She wants to go to college. Great. She does not want to go to college. Great. She wants to spend money. Great. She doesn't. She doesn't, you know, Uh, again, I just focus on my side of the street uh, and do the best that I can. And, and it, it comes back tenfold.
1: Yeah, brilliant. I love that. No, fantastic. And look at your beautiful family that's continuing to grow as the generations come. So it's lovely. Uh, Really nice to see. So, my final question, Ed, is the podcast is called Brave, Bold, Brilliant. I'm really interested to hear what brave, bold, brilliant means to you.
0: Well, I think brave is stepping out there and taking those risks. You know, the greatest risk is no risk, uh, whether it's relationship or property or investments. Um and then uh bold. Well, you know, they say there's old divers and there's bold divers, but there's no old bull divers. <laughs> so so I, I try to be a, um you know not too bold in my scuba diving so I'm continue to dive. Um and well I think I'm pretty bold in that, you know, I don't have a problem, you know, making my own life choice about what to do with my life and how to do it. And uh, so uh and brilliant. I I know I'm I'm always learning and growing. I hope to continue to learn and grow to the last day of my life. You know, I like Dylan. He says man not busy being born is busy dying. So uh you know, I don't think of myself as brilliant, but uh I, I'm getting smarter all the time, you know, every day and every way, little by little. Um You know, wisdom is my father-in-law was Walt Disney's right-hand man for 38 years. And he used to have a lot of sayings. And one of his sayings was, uh, wisdom is what you get when you don't get what you want in life. So so I I try try to stay wise and uh, keep my eyes open and my eyes on the prize. And uh, I'm really ecstatic. I'm going to be in St. Thomas, January 15th through March 15th for my new uh, transition into uh, being an expat uh elder uh scuba diving, hiking, uh zoom therapist um, fanatic
1: <laughs> oh, fantastic and honestly it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. It really has you are an incredible human being, and I feel very lucky to have uh, had the chance to meet you and spend time with you and I hope we'll continue our friendship for many years to come. I really do uh,
0: The feeling is mutual, Jeanette. I think you're doing an outstanding job and and I really admire what you do is quite inspirational and i I've, I've decided i would really like to start up a podcast sometime this year myself so I'll, I'll definitely be calling you to pick your brain to help me figure out how to launch this thing
1: absolutely anytime and you will be an incredible podcaster so you it's uh you've got to do it let's make it happen
0: awesome <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you so much ed it's been brilliant chatting with you
0: i really enjoyed it thank you jeanette